we got this Van de Graaff generator, one of those large silver balls that if you put your hands on, you know, you see people with their hair standing on end. And there was five of us in our, in our team standing around this Van de Graaff generator. And we said it represented the world and how education will be in the future. We all put one finger towards the globe and one finger to our neighbor. And you could see those little electrical waves. And it represented the connectivity that's across the globe. And that we're going to need to all be learners and teachers at the same time. Listen intently. Listen deliberately is part of this mantra. Students are teaching faculty as we speak across the globe. They've been using some of these technologies for their social outlets. And we as faculty probably haven't been doing so as much. There's much we can learn from how they interact with these tools and utilize these tools that we can put into the classroom. In our lifetime, higher education has not seen the kind of global shock to its system that emerged over a two-month period. We anticipated a systematic and orderly shift in the next few years to address the rising cost of education, changing demographics, and a growing adult population choosing to come back to further their education. Those institutions that had already invested in a new kind of education now found themselves in a position to accelerate. Georgia Institute of Technology is one of those institutions. Today on Navigating Change, we have Dr. Nelson Baker, who serves as Dean of Professional Education for Georgia Tech. His group oversees the delivery of Georgia Tech's extensive catalog of world-class credit and non-credit education programs for over 40,000 learners and 2,600 organizations worldwide each year. Our conversation with Dr. Baker revolves around his experience overseeing this expansive arm of professional education and what that experience can teach us as we turn toward rebuilding in the COVID era. Welcome, Nelson, to the show. Hello, Howard. Great to be here. I woke up this morning, Nelson, and the clock's at 6 a.m., and I bounced out of bed, and I, I, I am now living Bill Murray's life. This is Groundhog Day. <laughs> 15 different jobs over a working lifetime. IBM reporting 120 million people will need reskilling in the next you know, five years. Projections about people that were born in 2015 are going to live to be over 100 years old. Colleges can no longer hope or expect that lifelong learning is magically going to happen to graduates over a four-year study. Is it purely a scale issue or are we still not thinking deeply enough about what this transformation needs to be? I'm going to focus on the latter half that I think we need to be thinking a little differently. The world of the agrarian economy to the industrial economy to now the service knowledge economy, uh, new knowledge is being created so rapidly that to try to predict and, and say this is the kind of information that one needs to have in their undergraduate formative years, as we've historically done, project that forward 50 years from now, I think is a far uh, cry from reality. We need to be thinking about how do we keep 
retooling people and bringing new knowledge that's being generated into their vocabulary to let them thrive and, and succeed in this new world where you said the number of jobs, I've even heard that restated as five careers, not just mm-hmm. jobs. Mm-hmm. And careers to me means even a bigger kind of shift. These are likely pretty big pivots that one's going to have to make. And to think about you're not going to need some type of assistance to make those pivots, to me, just doesn't seem right. I think there's going to have to be a new kind of education and training paradigm that helps people pivot. Just give people a flavor of what it is that you have in place right now. The what we've built is largely cornerstoned upon Georgia Tech's strengths and assets. So it's the STEM, STEAM uh, topic spaces and mixed with business. Uh, you can't just have pure engineering and science go into a uh, commercial entity without some business uh, acumen to go along with it. But that's been our roots. It's been building upon the faculty strengths uh, and actually trying to help them leverage their research findings and disseminate it more quickly. Uh, into the industrial space. So we partner uh, a lot with industry. Yeah, uh, That's why we have those 2,600 different organizations. Some are governmental also as we look at those kinds of endeavors, but it's to help get that new knowledge into the economy as fast as we can possibly do. But what's interesting is when those individuals in corporate settings take these courses and interact with our faculty, it generates new perspectives for our faculty. It's like, wow, I never thought that what I was doing in research would be used that way, and it generates new research questions. Yes, yes. We also know that we can't do it all ourselves. We just don't have the resources, either human capital or investment capital, to do it all ourselves. So how do we find the right uh, entities to work with to allow us to move more quickly? So most people are familiar with the Georgia Tech degrees at scale. First, the online Master of Science in Computer Science, followed by a Master of Science in Analytics, and more recently, Cybersecurity. But the partnering was huge to make those things happen, and in my opinion, would not have happened had we not partnered. But uh, working with Udacity in the Computer Science Program, one of the first MOOC providers, to take new pedagogy that allowed us to scale to more individuals. Uh, That was a paradigm shift for us in being able to think that way. But then to have AT&T come along to give two gifts of $2 million each was the catalyst we needed to fund the program as a public university in ways that we could not have done uh, until the enrollments came to scale to allow the tuition to be, uh, you know, less than $8,000 for the entire master's degree. Mm. Uh, Between the three online master's programs now, one-third of the individuals seeking degrees at Georgia Tech are now in these online programs, 14,000 people. Mm. All three programs, less than $10,000 U.S. Beautiful. That's still very expensive for some parts of the world, but it's certainly much less expensive than the traditional U.S. rate for a master's degree. Talk a little bit about what this Deliberate Innovation Lifetime Education initiative has begun to open up since that came out in 2018. It was a collection of individuals, faculty, staff, students from across the university who started to imagine what might things look like in year 2040. 2040 kind of emerged uh, halfway through, but we knew we wanted to look far enough out that it would allow all kinds of possibilities to take place. And it was something we learned from the computer science program that you can't necessarily imagine what might be if you try to talk about next week because you put all the barriers in the way. Our previous president, 
Bud Peterson actually, when he came to Georgia Tech, did a strategic plan for 25 years. And many of us looked at him and said, really, 25 years? But in hindsight, it gave us the ability to throw away all those things that seemed to get in the way and really focus on where we wanted to be and then backfill. Okay, so if we're going to be there in 25 years, what do we need to do in the next five? How about the second five? So in the report you mentioned, the Deliberate Innovation Lifetime Education that Provost Bross commissioned, there were three phases across this two-year conversation. Uh, The first phase was about data gathering. What is the context that's taking place in the world? Uh, The data around the enrollment cliff that's been popular uh, in the press came out then very clear, but also socioeconomic challenges that are taking place. Uh, The makeup of our very faculty, do students and learners see themselves uh, in the people that are leading their classes? So that demographic data gathering was the first component. Then we did a global challenge. Uh, We wanted to crowdsource, if you would, across the globe, presenting that data, but saying, what might we do with it? How's this going to impact where higher education across the globe should go? So we worked with Open IDEO back to that partnership idea, use their platform for crowdsourcing great ideas. The third phase then was, okay, so that's what the world thought. What's Georgia Tech think? Which of these do we want to hang our hat on by 2040? And what do we want to start to build? Let's build on this partnership question, because you said a few things earlier that are so key is that we can't do this alone. And we need to be willing to involve others. And there's an element And and I think you and I both know this, is that to do that well means we have to give up control. Talk a little bit more about your partnerships and what some of those things that have been produced uh, out of those partnerships. Well, I certainly talked about the one, uh, all three uh, at-scale degree programs have had industry sponsorship. So I talked about the first one, computer science, and how AT&T and Udacity played a role. Yep. The, se- the second one, AT&T came back and gave yet another million dollars to get it off the ground. But then so did Accenture. So a second uh, entity that we've partnered with uh, came in and provided funding. And then in the third one, Accenture came back yet again and gave uh, half a million to, to get cybersecurity off the ground. These companies are seeing something here. We look across what we call Tech Square, which is in Midtown Atlanta, and the number of companies who are setting up shop uh, close by the university to not just do the traditional recruit our students Uh, activities, although that certainly happens. Uh, But it's also to engage in faculty, to hear the pulse of what people are thinking and to be part of the community to try to get a a, a first mover status on what's happening, to try to help influence perhaps what some of those research products might be uh, and where the students should be going and coming. Uh, Those are all part of what we see in this rich ecosystem. And even at the state level now, when we start thinking about the workforce of the future, how do we help retool industries that are already in our state or those who want to come to our state? These are governor's level conversations across their economic development that I often find myself part of. I like to see it as lead and convene. Mm. Uh, I'll go back to another wonderful activity I had more than a decade ago, and it was a formation of Alto University in Finland. Uh, And there was three traditional universities that came together to form Alto. And they convened a group of, uh, they called thought leaders from across the globe uh, in this professional continuing education space because they were seen from their industries in Europe that there needed to be a different kind of worker. 
but they couldn't just throw away everybody in the workforce. They needed to help retool them, reformulate them into the jobs of tomorrow. And so this Alto organization was part of that thinking. We had to do a 10-minute presentation to Parliament as our final project, if you will. And we got this Van de Graaff generator, one of those large silver balls that if you put your hands on, you know, you see people with their hair standing on end. And there was five of us in our, in our team standing around this Van de Graaff generator. And we said it represented the world and how education will be in the future. And we all put one finger towards the globe and one finger to our neighbor. And you could see those little electrical waves. And it represented the connectivity that's across the globe and that we're going to need to all be learners and teachers at the same time. And that's a major shift for higher education to think about that's traditionally been one way, us disseminating information out rather than a two-way street. And I think that's a hallmark of where we may be going. We have to think about it at multiple levels. How do we start to teach people to think about themselves as learners? And also, how do we institutionally begin to shift our organizations? I also think it's part of our culture, Howard. And if we think about the K-12 role of teaching, it's largely that dissemination piece. Yes. And universities tend to be an extension of that from um, most people's way of thinking. But when we start thinking about that this is a lifelong process, where you have to be curious, that you go and you seek others' uh, input and advice, quote-unquote, you learn from them, they teach. But at the same token, you have experiences that you can share with others that you too teach. Uh, And that's a viewpoint that we need to possibly carry backwards into K-12 in addition to forwards into the lifetime of, of learning that needs to take place. And if you think about some of the principles of Montessori education, there's some rich activities in that. And how do we take the learnings of cognitive science and, and how the human mind works and behaves and blend that with what we know with technology and education to really create a new world for tomorrow? I want to step into something that we can't ignore. We are in the beginning stages of a massive shift. Uh, Some are maybe thinking that once this COVID virus makes its way through, we'll find a way to go back to normal. And, And I see it, and I think you do too, that this is the potential event that is going to produce something and accelerate something that we've already known we have to do. So I want you to weave in, uh, especially for those who right now are living with this great deal of uncertainty and how do we orient our energy in a productive way through this time? Great question, Howard. And I I just want to just reinforce that we too are living with anxiety. It's not that we have some corner on the market that we've got everything figured out. Uh, The world is living with anxiety, and we need to recognize that and to think it forward. But I am optimistic. I mean, certainly COVID-19 and what we've seen with the devastation and loss of human lives across the globe is awful. There's no other way to say it. Uh, and all of us wish that was not the case. But we will come out on the other side. And I think much like we saw the pandemic in the early 1900s, and you go back through history, these things have happened in the past. Society usually comes out stronger with new learnings. 
How can we find the learnings here? I had a group of students come to me two weeks ago, uh, and they were talking about the remote instruction that we're doing and the need for proctoring that largely requires some type of video right now. And they were in areas where bandwidth was very weak, if also non-existent. Is there a better way in which we could do quote-unquote proctoring for exams and assignments with students to get a group of individuals together who are already thinking that way shows me the great insights that people are going to come up with brand new ideas that we've never fathomed before out of this experience that we're all going through. And for that, it makes me extremely optimistic, while at the same time, I also want to recognize the pain that many people are going through, both personally, financially, professionally, uh, all the above uh, that are taking place. But I am super optimistic that this is going to be a catalyst to take some of the things that we at Georgia Tech and other places have been thinking about for uh, a decade and they happen much quicker. I mean, one of the concerns I have is that because there's still so much momentum around a traditional kind of educational experience that doesn't leverage this kind of distance learning, that once we find ourselves able to go back face-to-face, will we say, let's step into continuing to build out our programs so this becomes robust? So I'm curious, when you look out over whether it's the next three, six, nine months, how do we leverage what we're going through right now and and build off it versus go back to the way it was? By human nature, we all have a tendency to not want to change, to expect the anticipated makes us all feel comfortable. So the natural tendency is to go back to where we were. Uh, No matter what realm we were in, no matter what size class or educational institution, business practice, there's natural tendencies to go back to the life as we knew it. Uh, But I think there's going to be some new catalysts that come into play that's going to prevent that. One in which I already start to see and we're catapulting internally uh, through surveys and other kinds of mechanisms of feedback. As I said before, listen intently listen deliberately is part of this mantra. Students are teaching faculty as we speak across the globe. They've been using some of these technologies for their social outlets. And we as faculty probably haven't been doing so as much. There's much we can learn from how they interact with these tools and utilize these tools that we can put into the classroom. So that Van de Graaff generator analogy where we can all be teachers and learners is happening in real time. Are we acknowledging it right now? How do we become socially connected as people in these worlds better is something of interest because in addition to, you know, the fears of isolation and social distancing, there's also loneliness that many people are experiencing. Could we actually use this to help improve loneliness in new ways that we haven't thought about before? What's the role of leadership, either that was in place before or in place now, that has really helped contribute to where you're going and some of the acceleration I think that you're you're seeing? A great question, Howard. I think Georgia Tech and many other institutions have been very blessed with great leadership uh, across the organizations. Georgia Tech, uh, through its previous president, uh, Bud Peterson, uh, our provost, Rafael Bras. Uh, over the last decade have provided this framework and foundation for Georgia Tech to continue uh, along its thinking of innovation. Uh, Since its founding in 1885, we were created to really kind of help the South 
uh, come up to the industrial age, but it's so much more now. And their vision, their aspirations, their leadership to motivate people to think forward, to innovate, uh, has set the stage to keep propelling us in that direction. And now with President Cabrera on board, uh, a lot of the focus about uh, our values and our mission, uh, progress and service is the Georgia Tech uh, mission. And that's even so important today as we think about harnessing technology to uh, benefit humanity. And it's to think about the rich diversity that where we find ourselves physically located in Atlanta and the era of the civil rights movement uh, and what took place on our campus as a peaceful transition. And how can we take those things forward into a new world and make sure that innovation in all of its forms is reachable by everyone, not just the few. When you look forward into the point at which you get off the tracks and you step into something different, at some point we're all going to turn this over to the next set of leaders. What do you want to be able to say you contributed to? Because we're talking probably 30, 40 years from now, right, Nelson? Easily 30 to 40 80s, years from now. 30, yeah, 40 yeah. years from now. So for me, and I find myself already starting to do some of this, is helping provide my team and individuals that I come in contact with opportunities to succeed and fail. They need to get the same experiences that I was able to have and so many more. But if I stand in their way, they don't get those experiences. They don't learn. So how can I enable them to go on their learning journey and to listen and to put in place what might be for tomorrow? How can I step aside and keep asking questions? Because I think that the newer generations that are going to come behind us will have questions we never thought of. And we need to lift them up back to the conversation we're having about disagree and commit and how it's providing the space for people to, to talk and communicate so they even know they disagree. We need to invite people to the table, and I'm trying to find ways to invite people to that table so we can shape a future that we haven't realized yet, but we will together. The contributions you're making to this next generation uh, is something we can't entirely see, but but I have such confidence in what you're doing at Georgia Tech is going to produce uh, great outcomes for future generations. Well, thank you, Howard, for reaching out. And it's part of these networks that I think we all thrive in. So just our personal relationship that we've had, but you also mentioned UPSIA, uh, the network of those colleagues has been instrumental in helping shape my, my thoughts forward but also international associations. So I'm the Secretary General of the International Association for Continuing Engineering Education, a global group of these kinds of thought leaders, getting the world's perspectives. We just need to listen more and engage in those conversations. What would you recommend if people want to explore some of the work that you and your teams are doing, where they should look? Well, I would first recommend that Deliberate Innovation Lifetime Education Report that's on the Georgia Tech Provost website, freely downloadable. Uh, we want the world to recognize it. Secondly, is that we offer, or have been offering anyway, 
twice per year, uh, what we call the Summit for Programs at Scale. We've invited universities to come ask questions about not just the pedagogy, but business models, student interactions, faculty interactions, whatever they want to ask and to bring a team. Uh, more people can be engaged in that. We took it to UPSEO one year. Uh, we were going to go to the University of California, Davis uh, in May, uh, but the events of our time have gotten in the middle of that one, but hopefully we can reschedule that. Those would be some of the things, but there's also an ACE Huron report we worked with that you'll also find out on our C21U website, so the Center for 21st Century Universities, part of Georgia Tech's think tank around our education innovation. And that report might be something else that folks would want to look towards. Thank you, Nelson. And uh, stay safe, stay warm, and uh, we will connect sometime soon. Thank you so much, Howard. Uh, This has been a great opportunity. Please stay healthy, stay well. Mm -hmm.